400 BC, you know I always start with a date. 400 BC, Plato once said, at the touch of love, everyone becomes a poet. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Interesting thought, isn't it? Let's just, uh, let's pray together before we get into the word. Thank you, Lord, for love. Thank you for how complicated it is. And thank you for how messy it makes our lives. But we thank you for the blessing that it is to us. And we thank you for your example of it. And we pray as we delve into this now that it will impact us as we go and take this into the world. Amen. So you might be thinking, this is quite familiar actually to uh, 1 Corinthians, right? And normally when we do like a sermon on love, you normally do, or you hear it in a wedding, you normally go to the 1 Corinthians 13 passage, you know, love is patient, love is kind, it does not hate, it does not seek justice or however it goes. And you'll note that this is actually very similar to how this works in this passage. If we went just before it, what you notice is, is that Paul talks about the body of Christ, right? You know what the body of Christ is? That's us. And he talks about all the different gifts and how that affects how we operate together and how we need to be together so everyone receives the blessing, but also so we receive the blessing of everyone else. And this is similar, and I point this out because this is really important for us to note, because if he's mentioned it in more than one letter, it must be really important, isn't it? And this one, it's a bit poetic. You might notice that actually, well, this has changed from actually the style that we've been doing uh, of Romans, which has been very, it's been very dense, hasn't it? Who's been following along on the reading plan? Good one, Annette. Good one. Yeah. We've been following along on the reading plan. Has that been beneficial? It's been good. Yeah. But what we've been, what you notice is this is very, it's, it's kind of a bit easier to read, isn't it? You don't come to the end of it and you're scratching your head saying, what the heck did that mean? It's a bit easier. And uh, that partly it's because we're reading in a different translation off the screen there. Uh, and we do that deliberately so that we can understand it a bit easier. But it's because he actually changes the way he's writing now, right? The first five weeks that we've looked at have been quite specific and they're equivalent to what we call the doctrine, but it's very much the doctrine of Paul in those first five weeks, the first 11 chapters, right? And what that means is we've been reading about what it is we are to believe, But now we've taken a shift actually into how that Paul expects us to live that out, right? And it's no longer, this is what you believe, it's actually, this is what this looks like. Who remembers what the first five weeks were? Do you remember what it was? It's been a bit of a while, so we should do a recap. First of all, Simon established, I am not ashamed, right? So we're not ashamed and then we took that premise into the next four weeks when we looked at specific theology of Romans. The next one was, if I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And we said, we're not ashamed that we're sinners because actually that's what 
is so incredible, God still loves us in that. And he sent his son to come down and save us. Right? And so we could still be in relationship. So we're not ashamed that we're sinners, but we own the fact that God's come to us and we, and we actually are able to live in that relationship. And then the third week was the salvation of Jesus specifically, how that worked out in life. And then we had Big Simon. Big Simon came and talked all about grace. And then finally, last week, we talked about just because people don't believe God's plan doesn't mean it won't happen anyway. They're the five weeks of doctrine, owning that whole time, I am not ashamed. And then we come to the first practical part after he talks about the body being us and it's love. Simply put, it's love. And Romans chapter 12, right, this is an interesting little fact, includes more instructions in it than any other chapter in the New Testament. Pretty interesting, isn't it? And it reads like it. There's 14 verses and there's 30 instructions. No less. There's 30 in there. If you want to go through and count them, do it. There's 30 instructions in there in 14 verses. And it's a lot. But don't be discouraged because what I've done is I broke it down into two categories for you. The first category is this. It's how we are to love each each other as believers. Thanks, Chris. How to love each other as believers. The first part of Romans 12 is speaking into that, right? People within the church. How are we engaging with each other? How are we love each other? I just want to read to you verse 9 to 16 from the NIV version. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn and live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. See how that speaks directly into our unit here as church? Now, I want to point out here, you know how when we've done previous sermons, we mentioned there's different words for love, right? And it's no exception here. Normally, when I've done sermons, I think I've emphasised the agape love, right? We always talk about God's love for us. And that's, the, that's like the salvation love. It's like how God loves us and it's unconditional, right? But this isn't agape love that Paul's instructing us to do. This is philia love, right? Philos, philios love. And what that is... It's like the brotherly love. It's a friendship sort of love, right? And it's got this real emphasis that as a community, we're meant to love each other as brothers, as family, right? And so when you're reading it, you need to be loving each other more than just old mate, but 
It's, it's not like it's the unconditional. You have to be, although we do in, you do need to love unconditionally, this is specifically speaking into filio love, which is the brotherly love. It is instructing us to love the body of Christ in that way, like we do our family. So that's category one, how we are to love each other, right? And then we come to category two, and that is how we are to function as people, us, who have received the mercies of God, and how we're to love the outside world, right? Those that aren't a part of the church. It's more specifically uh, those who are enemies of us. That's more specifically what it is. But it's how we love outside the church. Either individually or corporately. How do we love the city of which we live? How do, when we receive resistance. So let me just read 17 to 21 for you. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone and do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Can you see the two distinct categories there now? The first one being to love, with the, how we love within the church, and the second being how we love those that try and persecute us, those that show us resistance, those that are outside the church. Now, why I want to note that they're the two categories, it's really important to see in verse 9, it says, Let love be sincere. Some other translations say genuine, right? Genuine. Let love be sincere or genuine. This particular version says, Don't just pretend to love others, right? Now, this first verse, the first part of verse 9, actually serves as a heading. It's like, you know, those little headings that you have? It's its own one of those, right? But it's actually a verse of the Bible. The saying of, let love be sincere. And it serves as a title for the whole rest of the passage. Right? The rest of the passage in chapter 12 is all reflective of that. And it's sort of like this. If, if Paul knew that if he said, let love be genuine, genuine, sorry, I got that stuck in my head now, genuine. If, you, if you, Paul says, let love be genuine, my love is probably very different genuinely than what it may be for Eric. Or it is for June. I am a real hugger. Someone may like words of affirmation more. Or maybe you like gifts. So you can see the problem what would have been if he just left it at let love be genuine. This is why then he has to go through and give, he gives all these instructions to show you what genuine love is. Now remember how I said that this is all filial love? 
This is the one part of this, ver- this chapter that uses the agape, unconditional, godly love in verse 9. Right? He changes words. He uses the heading, let, love, uh, let your love be genuine with the godly love. And then he takes it into what it looks like practically with the brotherly love. Does that make sense? I need to see head nods because it's kind of confusing and we're looking at words. If it's not, I'm going to go over it again. Does it make sense? He starts out with the title, this big unconditional love, let it be genuine. And then it goes into practically what it looks like to love each other as family, as brothers, as close friends. Does that make sense? Essentially what he's saying is genuine love, this is what genuine love looks like when it's played out within the body of Christ. The local expression here of new beginnings, the church across the road, this is what genuine love looks like. And this is what it looks like when we love outside the church. Now, as I said, there's 30 different instructions in this chapter of how to love and we don't have time to go through one by one by one by one what it actually means for each of those verses and they're all incredibly detailed don't don't get me wrong and I'd love to talk through them over tea or something but what I've done is I've made a graph well it's not a graph it's more just a slide with all the different themes of love that are in this chapter, right? And what I want to do is I'm going to put this, we're going to put this slide up and I want to sit on these themes for a second, right? And we're going to ask ourselves, see us for ourselves what genuine love looks like. It's sincere. It hates evil. It's devoted. It honours. It's zealous. It's joyful. It's patient. It's faithful, it's prayerful, it shares, it practices hospitality, it blesses, it rejoices, it mourns, it's harmonious, it's prou- it isn't proud, it doesn't seek revenge and it isn't overcome. Now that's not exhaustive, right? We could, if I wanted, we could have made it a lot more dense with, if you took it a lot more like that. But they're the, they're the themes that are in there. And this is really important that we actually look at these themes and I want to pose two questions to you with these themes on the slide. The first question is, what aspect of Romans 12 does my love echo? Do you just want to put up the... the, Thanks, Chris. We'll put the previous slide on and I'll, I'll just repeat that question for you. What aspects of this... Do I echo in my life? Am I zealous? Do we know what zealous means? Zealous means to be so passionate about it that you go out with it all your heart, body, mind, soul, strength. There's nothing going to hold you back. Paul was zealous for the Lord, is what the Bible says. Are you harmonious? Do you seek where you can to actually create peace?
Am I devoted in all aspects of life? Am I devoted? What aspects here do I echo in my love? Now the tricky question, because it's good to say, yes, I've got that one, I've got that one, I've got that one. But what aspects here of Romans 12 do I need to work on? don't like that one because it's when you start to say yeah I don't mourn too well I always make jokes when I feel a bit overcome by sorrow I'm more of the joyous person am I honoring in the way I talk about everyone maybe I could do that a bit better sometimes I get overcome now specifically it's about evil in here but You know, evil takes many forms these days. Do I get overcome by busyness? Maybe by the stresses? It's super important to take this list, isn't it? And actually say, where is it that I'm doing well? And say, great, thank you God that I can display those areas... But then you say, well, I need to reflect a bit better my love in these ways. It then goes on to say in the scripture, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. This is our call, right? This is mission 101. This isn't a revenge scheme. This isn't Paul saying, if you do this, it's actually going to be more vengeful in this way than if you were to go and wreck something of his in revenge. See, this verse isn't that we hope that the upper will suffer in our kindness, but that the kindness that we display will burn their very souls so much that the manifestation of kindness that we just showed and grace will actually lead them to Jesus himself. Right? Heaping burning coals on their heads speaks of a kindness which leads to a response of the evildoer noticing their evil, which makes them so utterly ashamed of their behaviour that it points them to Jesus. It's not revenge in kindness. It's actually pointing them back the way to Jesus. It's our mission. It's the call. It's not, I'm going to be kind so that God can go and get revenge for me. It's not that at all. It's actually, I'm going to be kind so that it leads them back to Jesus. See, our acts of kindness and our acts of love is a missional act to bring people back to Jesus. All these attributes and expressions that we see on the screen, this is the enormity of what it means that God is love. 
Whilst I may hit maybe two or three of these things at any one time, God is always this at any time, every day, in every moment, in every situation. There's this really great quote by uh, John MacArthur. We'll put that one up, thanks, Chris. And it says this, You are the only Bible some believers will ever read. Some non-believers, that's meant to be, sorry. I put it up wrong. But you are the only Bible which some non-believers will ever read. It's quite, quite to the point, isn't it? See, this reflection of love that we're displaying, this flow-on effect of what we're trying to be, where Paul instructs us this sort of love, is what it means to go take Christ out into the world. So the question remains is this, can you say this statement? I am not ashamed, so I love. See, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the, the different factors of not being ashamed. And whilst it's good to learn and then say, yes, I'm not ashamed of that, we've moved beyond that now. We've actually gone from no longer being ashamed of it, we've actually gone to the point where we now have to own it and be practical in what we're doing and then add an action. So can you say this? I am not ashamed, so I love. Amen. Let's just pray. Ah, God, love being... One of the most talked about, but least understood expressions of your greatness. We just pray that as we go every day in our life, that we may be able to implement some of these, these actions that Paul has called upon us in uh, Romans 12. We pray as we, we go into the world, as we go through our lives, in our jobs, as we go through our routines, that we will be able to not only claim that we are not ashamed, but we can implement the action of loving. We pray that you help us on that because it's a lot harder at some times than it is in others. And as this, the, the, those times come, we pray that you'll be there to strengthen us in that time. And we pray in the time when it's easy, we just give honour and glory back to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.